You're listening to Warning, Dallas Bergen. Lifelong CFL fan, you can find me on Twitter, at CFL Fans Toronto. Co-host and founder of 3-Minute Warning, Bill Beer, at PigskinPunk13. A football fan from Maryland who's gone all in on the CFL in the past couple of seasons. We love talking CFL and want to see the league thrive and expand its fan reach beyond Canada. Bill's totally doing his part. And so is ESPN. We want our listeners to know that all CFL games are available on ESPN Plus in the United States, TSN in Canada, and Visaic streaming around the world. Welcome to Season 2, Week 11 of the 3-Minute Warning. What's going on, Bill? How are you doing? Good, good. It's been a good week. A good week. Maybe not, if you're a Toronto fan, maybe not 100% good, but some exciting games this year. I mean, close game. It's been a great week. Lots of tight matches, and it's true. Tough for Argo fans to endure a loss to the Hamilton Ticats, but really great games that went down to the wire. I saw an awesome tweet from Christina Constable from CFL, who noted that uh, all four games this last week went down to the final three minutes, and all winners overcame deficits of at least six points. And the games averaged 59 points per game, the highest weekly average across all of 21 and 22. Uh, ended that tweet with, are you not entertained? So yeah, it's been it's been exciting in the CFL. Uh, what did what did what did you like about what you saw this week, Bill? I mean, we had an overtime game. We had a team that was undefeated get their first loss. Um, we had a team with a, a quarterback with his first year starting almost through for 500 yards. Crazy. Crazy games. Anybody can win at any time. You never turn off that television. Or, well, if you're at the game, you're not turning off. But you never, you know... There's a few minutes left in that game. You got to keep watching. You can't be like, oh, this game is out of reach and, and uh, I'll go watch, uh, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy or something. No, keep watching that game. It's the CFL. It's one of the most exciting football leagues that I've ever seen. And I never seen anything like this, these close games and these comebacks. And it's just been a real exciting year. Oh, it's awesome to hear the excitement in your voice, Bill. I just, I love it, how into the game you are. And yeah, we saw some great ones. A lot of points put up. You got to see an overtime game. And um, we noted on our our last episode how many possessions sometimes we'll see. We'll see like four or five possessions happen inside the three-minute warning, Mm -hmm. which means that anything can happen in the CFL. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get started. We'll talk about the first game of the week. Uh, there were a few shockers, but I think this one was shocking to a lot of people as we saw Montreal win in overtime 20-17 to 17 over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, just such an exciting game to watch and shocking to see how it ended. Um, I think, you know, in the game is on the line for a kicker. That's one of the most exciting things that you can ask for. And sometimes they get a second shot, which Mark Leggio did for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in this one. And unfortunately, he missed two opportunities to win this game. One 
that uh, at the end of the fourth quarter with the uniqueness that is the CFL. All he needed to do was have that ball clear the end end line of the end zone for a single point to take that win. And somehow that kick got flubbed and it barely even made it into the end zone. And we saw that game go to overtime with Montreal kicking a field goal in their first overtime possession. And then Winnipeg getting a second shot and of the worst luck that could befall the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Mark Leggio hit the upright dead on, and that ball fell dead without any points scored. Top loss for the Blue Bombers, but honestly, I'm smiling as I say it. Uh, what did you think of this one, Bill? Yes, it was, a, it was a surprising game. I guess the biggest thing that surprised me is how close Montreal was in this game. I really thought that this was going to be a one-sided game, but, you know, they sacked Caleros, I believe, five times at Montreal defense. Um, They were in this game. They were in this game. If I would have told you before this game, Eugene Lewis is only going to have two catches for eight yards, you would have said, yeah, Montreal loses this game. You weren't <laughs> you weren't going to be saying, oh, yeah, it, it was a close game, and... uh." And Montreal went end up winning, but you know, all year uh, there's a few exceptions, but all year Winnipeg has has won some close games, and this just happened to be a game where where they didn't, they didn't. You thought they were going to got a chip shot field goal, and just things happen. You know, there's some games that some players aren't on it, and the kicker wasn't wasn't on it today. Yeah, that's right. You you can't. Put it all on the kicker, but you can come close sometimes when you get two shots. And that was really unfortunate that those were both misses. And yet, this is a team game. And Winnipeg has looked beatable for a few weeks. And they did look beatable in this one. As you noted, how close it was going back and forth. It was 7-7, 10-10, 17-17. I mean, Montreal was, was in this game the entire time. Neither of the quarterbacks impressed that much. Caleros was his efficient self with a stronger outing, going 21 and 27 for 251 and a TD. Uh, neither quarterback threw an interception on the night, and yet there weren't a lot of fireworks, not a lot of good fantasy picks, a lot yeah. of guys, um, you know, no 100-yard performers. Um, Brady Oliveira had a pretty decent outing with 15 carries for 84 yards, but on the receiving front, there was, you know, just not a lot there. Um, Dalton Schoen did did notch another touchdown, just two catches, but two for a very efficient 57 yards. But yeah, this one was a defensive battle and a one that, that Montreal was able to hang in and then get it done when they need it. And so uh, maybe things are starting to open up. This might be the first week that we see Winnipeg fall to second in the pundit's power rankings. Uh, maybe BC was ahead in a couple people's last week, but Winnipeg finally looks beatable. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and you know, you know, you can, they're, they're beatable. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I know Winnipeg fans, uh, think they're, they're just as good as they were last year, but you know, the record says one thing, but it's just they they look they are winning, but they just don't look like they did. Now will they they pick it up here in the back end of the season? Who knows? But it it's what makes the CFL interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, you're sure right. And I don't have any vendetta against Winnipeg. No. I just want to see parody 
in the CFL. I want to see a competitive league. And right. for a while, they were they were running away. Well, I guess uh, I guess BC was making a case for themselves week after week, but we were taking a long time to believe it. Uh, but now I think people are all in on how good this BC Lions team is, led by Nathan Rourke, of course. Uh, but any team can beat any team in the CFL. That makes for great battles like we saw this week and makes for exciting games. We saw an exciting game in Hamilton. Unfortunately for you, Bill Hamilton came out on top, beating Toronto 34-27 in this one with uh, with Matthew Schiltz starting in place of Dane Evans and then leaving the game for the third quarter, making way for the unknown Jamie Newman to kind of run over the Argos for a quarter uh, to show some stuff. But sorry to put you on the spot to make you talk about this one when it was a disappointing Argos loss, but give us your thoughts. No, I... It was disappointing that they had a touchdown lead and they came out in the second half and didn't take advantage of it. There were a couple key points that I could point out. There was a, you know, a third and very short that they decided to punt. They're just not a good short yardage team for whatever reason. And I think them not being aggressive while they were up at that point, I believe it was by seven. Um, that was kind of disappointing. They do lose Andrew Harris here. Actually, for the season, we learned that today that he's out for the season. And then during warm-ups, Cam Phillips didn't play because he had a groin injury. And it sounds like he's going to be out in a while. But I don't know. At this, at, at I just don't know. There was a long touchdown that Schiltz came back in the game and threw it to Tim White. It was poorly played on defense. It was like a 50-50 ball that went for like a 60-some yard touchdown. I don't know. I think, and I I brought this up on social media, I really think them force-feeding Brandon Banks because they're playing Hamilton, uh, they need to be done with that experiment. It's not working. He's not getting open. He's not the same guy he was two years ago. And I don't know if that's the guy that you want to... uh, have as many targets as you've been giving him. At least this past week, he had eight targets. Uh, and he had two catches, 27 yards. I mean, um, my opinion, you want to get Curly Gittens Jr. going early. You have uh, Devaris Daniels, you know. I don't know. Their offense is going to change, definitely, especially without Andrew Harris in the game. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was a disappointing outcome. Yeah, those are really interesting comments about Brandon Banks. You just, um, I mean, you may be right. It may be time for for this experiment, for the forcing the ball to try and to get this huge free agent signing going. It might be time to cut your losses uh, with just two catches on eight targets. And, you know, it's been obvious for many, many weeks that he and McLeod Bethel-Thompson just aren't able to get on the same page. Clearly, miscommunication between them. Uh, Now they're... Relationship on the sidelines, cameramen made a great issue of looking at that this past game. And, you know, they seem to be, you know, communicating really well, talking lots and with smiles on their faces. And yet it just isn't clicking. Uh, I think what is most unfortunate is I, I think you're right. They probably could move on at the receiver position and maybe were prepared to do so until they've had these 
injuries, just as a few really key guys mm-hmm. have come back into the lineup with, um, you know, we saw Eric Rogers just for a game, but Tavares Daniels is healthy again. And now we get this and Juwan Preskison will be back. Um, and then we see these injuries to Tommy Neal, who had a heck of a game with a couple oh, of yeah. big catches before, you know, injuring, rolling his ankle on some sideline advertising, which is just the absolute worst thing to see. And then that injury to Cam Phillips beforehand. So I think I think we probably do see Brandon Banks get another shot against Calgary this weekend. And um, yeah, and yet I think they, they need to spread the ball around a little more and focus on those guys that have been getting it done. You know, Marky Dambles haven't had a great game, a leading receiver in some ways, I think, this yeah. last game. And that's somebody you want to get going. And Curly Gittins Jr. Is, is having a fantastic year and definitely needs more balls there too. Now, one thing I broke brought up on social media earlier, and I'm not trying to s- say anything negative about Brandon Banks, it's just what I see. And what I see isn't the same player th- that in the last two years that we've seen, you know, when he was the MOP. Now, on social media, Brandon Banks has his Twitter, you know, description is footballer, former Washington Redskin, former Hamilton Tiger Cat. He doesn't even mention it. He's on Tehran. That seems odd to me. I mean, just the whole thing with him not being as productive. I don't know. I don't know. But I thought that was interesting. So that's why I brought that up. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I mean, you know, and some guys aren't really active on social media, but they have their official account. But uh-huh. Brandon Banks is. And so it's definitely notable that, um, I mean, it seems there there's a lack of pride there in being a part of the double blue. And maybe he's put some of that on it on himself. But that's that's a good catch mm-hmm. and unfortunate. And, the, and they've done it in the broadcast. They've made this a Brandon Banks, you know, revenge game the last two weeks. L- the, the last week I was there in the stadium. So they made that 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 they made a point that. They showed Brandon Banks as the key to the game at the beginning of the game up on the, you know, the widescreen or whatever. And they did sort of the same thing here at the beginning. And it just hasn't happened. It, it hasn't happened. That's not a not a story. There's no story there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, let's hope that they don't push it twice more. And maybe that can give <laughs> right. Brandon the space that he needs to, right. to come through. Well, one of the other issues of uh, contention or strong opinions is the play of McLeod Bethel-Thompson. You know, McLeod Bethel-Thompson has a pretty decent starting record for the Toronto Argonauts, uh, puts up lots of yardage regularly, protects the football decently well, not as well this year as he has in the past. But, I mean, once again, we see him passing for almost 300 yards, no interceptions, going 24 for 37 for 287 and a touchdown. And yet the cries for a change at the quarterback position are loud in Toronto right now. Uh, what's your take on that? Is is Toronto's shortcomings right now? Does that does that fall well, on McLeod Thompson? I think some of it might, but you know, the offensive line hasn't played great. You know, he hasn't had time at times to, you know, make a play. Uh, the receivers, you know, at times aren't getting open. They're dropping passes. So I can see their point because it's always the quarterback's fault. But I also think it's some of the play calling. The play calling has been, you know, early in the season, it seems like running the ball has been a big thing. Even if they can't run it, they'll run it on first down a lot of time. And then he's stuck with like a second and long to make a play. And, and you know, at times he hasn't made 
huge mistakes. I think the last three weeks he hasn't had an interception. But it's just, he's not exciting. I know the stats are there, and he doesn't have bad stats, especially in the red zone. Uh, if you listen to the X's and Argos podcast, they, they sort of broke that down a little bit to say, hey, he's like the third best guy as far as statistics. Um, I think it's just he's not that exciting. And, and people want want some excitement. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. It was the hardest thing for me, and I think I mean I wasn't totally behind McLeod even coming out of training camp this season. I just felt like they could have moved on, and yet you can't argue with the statistics. And and I think there is you know strong leadership in there. I mean he's a really awesome person. Seems to be a great guy in the room. Good communicator. But what really did it for me this week was that final drive. Toronto got the ball with a minute 34 left on their own 31. Mm -hmm. They needed two scores. They needed two scores to win the game. And, you know, you never want to see a quarterback uh, cough up an interception in the final minute being desperate and trying to force a play when it isn't there. But, you know, in those situations, at least there is the effort to win the game there. And I was so upset with this final drive because maybe I won't name McLeod, but the Toronto Argonauts ran out the clock on themselves by passing the ball to the middle of the field instead of the sidelines and by dumping off on the check down to the running backs twice for a zero and one yard pass with some yards after catch. When you need two scores, you have to score with, you know, 20, 25 seconds left or the game is over. If you haven't tried, to score points by then you've lost the game on your own volition and they did not throw the ball downfield far enough to to score points to maybe draw a pass interference you know it doesn't have to be a hail yeah absolutely but a deep pass into tight coverage where you can get a pass interference and instead it's a check down to a running back who doesn't even have a defensive player anywhere near him so there's no hope of getting further downfield and there's no hope of getting a pi call and they just ran out the clock. It was infuriating. The lack of urgency shown by the offense in the final minute. Yeah, I don't know what it is. They weren't pushing the ball down the field. This dump off to the running back. They, they need, they need a, as you said, a sense of urgency. They have the guys at receiver that can do it. They have some really good receivers. I just... I just don't know, and again, you don't know if it has to do with play calling, you don't know. I, I just don't know. There was something missing, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's the quarterback, what it is exactly, but they need to find it pretty quick, actually, because at 4-4, four four, they're looking in the rearview mirror, and they have Hamilton and the Alouettes right there. All right, well, you said they need to find it pretty quick, so that's some of the debate right now. So do you do you take the risk, you know, being in first place in the East right now? That's, that's an East Division final berth and one win from being in the championship game. Do you risk messing around with your starting quarterback right now? No, I don't think you can do that. I know, I know people are calling for it. I, I don't know. It isn't. Because if you make the switch... You're going to Chad Kelly that hasn't started a game in the CFL, and you're basically having him learn as we go through the rest of the season, and you're basically saying, okay, 
I don't know if we're playing the best guy, but just to get Bethel Thompson out of there, I don't know if that's a good decision. I, I mean, if you want to start the season and he's your guy, and or we're out of you know the playoffs because we've lost a bunch of games and we have like four games left, and and you want to put him in, I don't have that problem, but I don't think now's the time to do that. Yeah, I guess we can't have a big debate because I'm in 100% in agreement with you. I mean, I just think the Toronto Argonauts made their bet. You know, they they could have made a change in the offseason and, yeah. and had a competition in training camp. And Right, there was no competition. Know, they chose McLeod Bethel-Thompson to be the starting quarterback this year. And I'm not saying that you start him unequivocally for the rest of the year if he can, if he you know, racks up a string of four losses where he's throwing more interceptions and touchdowns and Mm -hmm. playing really poorly, maybe at that point you do make a switch. But I I don't think you make it now because you don't develop a quarterback when you're in first place. No, you can't do that. So I think think they need to roll with McLeod and hopefully he can show more, even if he is a top three quarterback in the league, maybe. but to see a better performance and and the clutch kind of play. I mean, Nathan Rourke is making every quarterback in the CFL look bad. But how <laughs> hard was it to watch him on, you know, second and three, like gun it 20 yards over the middle to Brian Burnham, like twice, once for a touchdown and then late in the game into like tight double co- coverage with the, so much confidence that he can make the throw, that his receiver can make the catch. And, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about that we didn't see from the Argos at the end of that game, to throw a ball into a small window, to have the confidence to make that throw, to believe in your receiver, and uh, and to get it done. And, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. I certainly hope that McLeod can play even better. I mean, I guess can rack up a string of wins because I think I think he's your guy until... He's not your guy, and that's going to be the Argos being in a really bad spot. And um, you know they can see what they do going into training camp this off season. But yeah, absolutely. sorry, spending lots of time on the Argos, but I think we should too pivot to to maybe the defense is the problem. I, I mean, I, I've been saying all season long that the defense is the strength of the Argos, particularly their front seven. Yeah, and um, at times their secondary, I thought, had been good and. Then I went and looked up the team stats, and they are last in a number <laughs> of significant, you know, stats. Yeah. Um, forced turnovers and, and interceptions and second down completion by their opposition. I mean, dead last. That means behind Edmonton, <laughs> behind Ottawa. Yeah. Like, so those numbers are terrible. So, you know, I, I don't know who this team is. It's, it's bewildering every single week. Don't know if this team can play with anyone in league or if they're awful. I'm sure it's somewhere in between, but bewildering and frustrating for sure. Absolutely. So um, let's get into our next game. And it was uh, BC Lions at Calgary. And this was a game I was looking forward to. It was uh, the first game on a Saturday. And, you know, halfway through this game, I thought the Calgary is just just going to it's not BC's day. You know, Nathan Rourke had a couple interceptions, you know, and uh, Bo Levi, you know, broke the record there, and they were looking pretty good. They had an interception return for a touchdown there in the, the second half. They had a kickoff turn for a touchdown, and then Nathan Rourke just goes crazy in it. And, you know, 
I had a discussion last night. There was a, what do you want to call it, the Twitter, you know, like an audio show or whatever I got invited on, and they were talking about Nathan Rourke, and somebody mentioned something about, you know, Nathan Rourke could go to the NFL right now and start for a couple teams. And I did object a little bit about that because I I don't know if we're ready for that. He's ready for that. I mean, he's only been, what, 10 games or whatever, but he does look pretty amazing. He, 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 he does look pretty amazing. He could make a roster. I think for yeah. sure. Yeah. Given, given his age, which is maybe the biggest factor. I mean, he is playing lights out, uh, but very different than other quarterbacks in the CFL who've had outstanding seasons. I mean, he is much younger than, than usually happens. And, and those years of development in the NFL are so important. So I, I definitely think he could make a roster. Not sure about starting, but yeah, wow, yeah. the joy. I mean, to be able to watch he him. has a Brian Burnham, you know, Dominic Rhymes, just crazy, a lucky whitehead, crazy receiving core. Uh, they're very good. You know, his offensive line has protected him pretty well this year, and he's making these crazy accurate passes. Like there was a third down near the end of the game. He had They had to make it, or the game is virtually over because they had to get two scores. He makes this pass to Brian Burnham. I don't know if the window is any bigger than a football, and he puts it right where it needs to be for a first down. Even the, the announcers in the game didn't even know if he, they caught it because the window was so small. Yep, and thrown with so much confidence, too. Yeah. I mean, as, as uh, an Argos and a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, it's... It's frustrating because the situations, I think, in Toronto or Saskatchewan are pretty similar. You know, O-line mm-hmm. play that has been really suspect and underachieving quarterbacks that some people are saying, oh, well, the O-line's beat up. He has no time. And, you know, and uh, I don't know. I just think of the BC Lions last year when everybody said their offensive line was so awful. And who was Mike Riley's offensive line and his receiving core? I mean, they were pretty similar to what they are this year, yeah, that's, last year. Yep, exactly. Last year, they were so terrible. And, I mean, I guess it's a team sport and you need it. You need it all. But, um, I don't know. I think oftentimes it's who who has the quickest release of quarterbacks in the CFL. And here's the who biggest. the best offensive line? I think the answers are the same. I yeah. think they're always the same. Yeah. You know, it, it's Winnipeg, Calgary. And BC, but so, is it because of those quarterbacks can get rid of the ball so quickly? It's a good possibility. I don't. I don't. I know. mean, I mean, it's it's a good going back to Bethel Thompson real quick. You you don't see him making too many three step drops and throwing the ball. I mean, because he doesn't have the time. Right. Mean? Right. It's a yeah. it's a good possibility. But the other thing I wanted to bring up: Nathan Rourke is making five receivers. Five receivers relevant in this league. Brian Burnham, Dominic Rimes, Javon Cote, Keon Hatcher, Lucky Whitehead. Everybody is getting the ball. It's amazing. This receiving core is pretty amazing. Or the quarterback is making them amazing. But they do have some good receivers on here. But um, they're making everybody relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to see Brian Burnham go 8 of 9 for 165 and a touchdown. Uh Such clutch catches. 
in his 100th game where, you know, after last season, Lucky Whitehead really did take over that number one receiver spot. And and then you have Dominic Grimes now saying, like, I'm the number one receiver. Right. right. Uh, and I mean, and Keon Hatcher, who who catches five balls on five attempts and who is, you know, a totally reliable guy that's often forgotten in that receiving core. So, and so, you know, maybe they're all good. Maybe the receivers, the quarterback, the offensive line are all good. And that's tell why me, they're as good as they are. Tell me this, spreading the ball around. Brian Burnham, nine targets. Dominic Rhymes, ten targets. Javon Katoy, nine targets. Lucky White had nine targets. Keon Hatcher, six targets. Spreading the ball around. Not being predictable. Uh, he's doing it all. He's making all those throws. He's he's amazing. I don't know. Uh, the big There's a, there's a big, you know, uh, social media push that he's going to be in the NFL next year. I, I would assume he gets some kind of invite. I don't know what the situation is going to be. I don't have enough experience watching the CFL to know that, yeah, he's definitely going to be going to the NFL next year and he's going to be leaving the CFL because I don't know how many quarterbacks have ever done it. I assume it hasn't been too many Canadian quarterbacks. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's been an awfully long time and that hasn't happened very often. Yeah, I mean, the last guys to have a legitimate shot, which weren't actually given a legitimate shot, but I mean, Ricky Ray and uh -huh. Burris, you know, both had both had their times. And you know what? I mean, seeing those... Uh, that may have affected Bo Levi Mitchell's decisions, too. I mean, he certainly could have gone down there, maybe had a shot and held a clipboard. But Bo Levi Mitchell wanted guaranteed money to go down there. And he never got an offer good enough that uh, he felt he could leave the CFL for. I mean, well, I think and Bo I Levi hate Mitchell loves playing football. And, and it's worth noting, too, that that was at a time when the Toronto Argonauts offered Bo Levi Mitchell almost a million dollars a year over uh, each year over three years to, yeah. to be the quarterback and offer he spurned. But so the money was was bigger at that point in time, too. But no, this is exceptional to see what Nathan Rourke is doing. And I think we need to enjoy him while he's here. This is an incredible story. It's great for Canadians and Canadian football. And I mean, it's great for all football fans. Tell tell the world about Nathan Rourke. He's coming, and we wish him all the success as much as we would miss him in the CFL. Yeah, I'd love to see him stay in the CFL. I know this much, he's not going to get a huge signing bonus to, to go and try out with a NFL team. They, they just don't do that. That's not, that's not something that they, you know, uh, one season in the CFL, at least to me, doesn't make uh, a 15-year career in the NFL. Because they just don't know, and they're unless a team is willing to do that. But I don't see it personally. I'd love to see. You know, they were talking about BC putting together a package to try to at least entice him to keep him there. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that would be something special to see. I mean, who knows? You have to believe that he'll take his shot. Every player should, and yet imagine what he could do with his entire career in, in the CFL. I mean, so early, but yeah. Enjoy him while he's here. Like I like I said, I think I mean there are more details in this game I think we could cover, but um we've actually had a really great discussion about this one. So maybe we move on. 
Yeah, let's move on to our fourth game of the week. Yeah. So any last any last injections you want to put in uh, about that game because we talked a lot about kind of off. You no, know, I I I don't still don't think Bolivar Mitchell is what he was. Uh, there's something missing. I don't know what it is exactly. Uh, his top receivers aren't doing as well. Reggie Begleton and Kamar Jordan just I don't know what's going on this year. Um, but I think they're going to be a good team in the playoffs, but I don't know if they can compete with BC or with, uh, Winnipeg. Yeah. Oh, I got one thing. We had, we had some strange calls in the CFL this week. I think we had three pyramiding calls or two and one last week. Um, but I'm wondering on BC's last drive, they started on their six yard line. Uh, just a quick aside. And so here's. Nathan Rourke starting on his six-yard line with a minute 22 left. McLeod Bethel-Thompson on his 31 with a buck 30. Oh, what a difference. Uh, but Rourke may not have gotten it done had it not been for a roughing the passer call on Cameron Judge. Do you recall that one? Yeah, that was a joke. That's what you call a joke <laughs> because he just tackled him. I don't know. Even the announcer said that they don't know what that was. I don't know what the explanation on that for roughing the passer. I guess you can't touch the guy low or high or I don't know. I, I don't know the explanation on that one. Yeah, I just wanted to get your quick take. Yeah. I thought so too. And listen, like I am all for most of the changes to protect our CFL quarterbacks. Right. They are the stars of the league. Uh, we need to reduce concussions. We need to, you know, stop late hits and intent to injure and everything else. But the timing of this hit was, I mean, the contact was basically on the release of the ball. It didn't seem like a headshot at no. all. And no. I kind of questioned this one. You know, we can talk about these things and not get fined for it, unlike players and coaches. Right. And I, I did not like that call. No, that was a bad call. Definitely a bad call. So, yeah. Okay, well, let's close out the week with Saskatchewan and Edmonton. Saskatchewan winning this one 34-23. This game was late. I'm going to start by saying that this game was way too late, uh, which means that the game before it started way too late as well, because it's Saturday. You don't have to start the games this late. It wasn't even in Vancouver. We've got a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time start in Edmonton. And, oh man, some of this one was a snooze too. So I, <laughs> as invested as I was, I found it hard to stay up. I was glad I was with a couple good friends that we were having a good time, but oh, it was a late night. Yeah, I ended up watching it the next morning because <laughs> I couldn't do it. But yeah, this was, you know, it seemed like, you know, the Elks there early on could have could have did a little better. I don't know. They just don't have all the t they're missing. They're running back Wilder Jr. And they went with a fullback, you know, running the ball a good portion of this game. Uh, they like split the carries and the. Cornelius didn't look bad. He had a late interception. He's trying to make something happen. And that's the thing you like to see. You like a quarterback. You know, you're down trying to make something happen. And I don't have a problem with an interception like that when you're trying to make something happen down the field. Yep, for sure. I mean, yeah, you've got, got to make the attempt to win the game, as cited with the Toronto-Hamilton game. Um, but this one was ugly largely because the quarterbacking play was bad. Yes. I mean... Cody Fajardo was 11 for 20 for 130, one touchdown, one interception. And Taylor Cornelius, 13 of 23 for 209 with an interception. 
Now, both of these guys had two rushing touchdowns and, you know, there's production there, particularly Cody Fajardo's. I mean, they won the game and in the fashion that he often does, he is a winner. Even when he has an ugly passing game, he can take on, you know, the weight on his shoulders and get it done when it matters. That was the one bright spot for for the riders and for rider fans but really this was an ugly effort both of those quarterbacks throwing for 55 percent 56 percent completion rates which is terrible and nothing notable in the run game either with Edmonton much improved from their first meeting with Saskatchewan they stopped Jamal Morrow tonight holding him to 46 yards on 13 carries um very little to look at from receiver production Duke Williams was four of six for 80 and a touchdown. But I mean, the next highest receiver for Saskatchewan was Keon Schaefer-Baker, who had two for 25. And as we've seen with Edmonton, Kenny Lawler is it, basically. He had another 100-yard game. And after that, there was nothing. So two not very good teams. I I think that's fair to say about Saskatchewan. They gutted out a win. But man, that effort is not going to beat the top-tier teams in this league. No. Not at all, and of course their offensive line. Oh, Cody Fajaro is you know running around trying to spin out of sacks, and it's just it's if he had a good O line and his receivers were healthy, because he's missing a few of his receivers. And I mean, there's guys in here that I, I never even heard of, you know, catching passes. Justin McNinnis and Albert Awachi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. I I never even heard of those guys, and it's kind of tough when you have your top two receivers and and nobody else scares anybody. Uh, they're not going to get much room to run uh, when when your offensive line isn't playing good and you have injuries like this. Uh, it's, yeah, and yet another another name there is Jake Hardy, who started for for this rider receiving core. Didn't register a catch. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, honestly, I wasn't surprised i mean he's had a few targets lots of injuries over the last few years but so it goes back to that you know triangle of receivers o-line and quarterback and they all contribute to each other's success and um you're right with the holes in the receiving core and the offensive line and the maybe injury to cody fajardo their offense is just looking terrible yeah yeah, it wasn't. It it was it was a close game, but it was probably the least exciting game for me personally. And and it looks like it's you know uh, not as close as it was, but it really was close the uh, entire game until like within the last two minutes. It was. It was worrisome. I didn't have much confidence at all through that game. I was happy to see a win, but Edmonton put up a fight, and and thankfully Saskatchewan could get it out and get. You know, get what they needed. The kickoff return we saw Mario Alford the good this week. Uh, wow, oh, yeah. has he been hot and cold from week to week with kickoff return touchdowns and, and game costing fumbles? But a 98 yarder in this one that was, you know, probably the most exciting play of the game. Uh, I loved, I loved Dante Milanovic Litre as well, mm-hmm. running the ball for Edmonton, trying to go with kind of a tandem Canadian duo running back thunder and lightning kind of thing. Right. With Malik Irons and, and Litre punished the riders on that opening drive. Oh yeah. And then, and then they hardly went to him after that. I just, those opening, those opening runs by him, I said on Twitter, I was having flashbacks of the fullback 
Blake Marshall, who was a punishing back for the for the Eskimos in the late eighties, early nineties. And you know, we 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 don't see that. I mean, we don't even list fullbacks on the depth chart anymore. We do. Mm-hmm. We have thirteen players, which is super weird. But I mean, we don't get we don't get the two back sets on the field very often. And and to see Litre run the ball like that was really entertaining. And I think it was a big mistake for for them to go away from that when they had such success on that opening drive. Yeah, absolutely. You just you just don't know. Um, it's hard to to guess why teams have certain play calling and why why when something is working sometimes they go away from it you just don't know yeah who knows well we're gonna preview this week next and starts off with Edmonton at Ottawa and so we can talk about how badly do these two teams win or are any of these coaches in trouble uh, who do you think wins this one I think Ottawa's gonna win this one I don't I their defensive played half decent. Their offense, except for the last game, their quarterback, Caleb Evans, has done pretty well. The last game, he was awful. But uh, I just think that they're going to pull one out. That they have to. I think their coach is in trouble if they, they keep losing. This is a winnable game. They have to win this game. This is a must win. I think Edmonton... Uh, they're not going to get rid of their coach no matter their record this year. That's my pick because he is the coach and general manager. I think you, you nailed it. Absolutely. It's clear that Chris Jones is still piecing this team together. They, I mean, they could maybe make the playoffs in a crossover, but, you yeah. know, I don't even know if that's first priority there. Chris Jones right. wants to piece together this team so that he can win down well, the road. I think they have the uh, most. Whereas with Paul LaPolice, yeah, having having been a coach there for years, not like Chris Jones, I think this is a must win for Paul Appleese. Yeah. He might not have a job the next morning. Right. Right. This is this is a must win. So that's that's a pretty interesting game just for that. And Ottawa needs to win some games here. I mean, just for their fans. They got an incredible fan base from what I've seen online and and just for them, I'd like to see them win. Absolutely. It's tough times in both Edmonton and Ottawa for fans with neither of those teams winning very well. I mean, Edmonton uh, hasn't won in forever, what, a thousand days or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. But things are bad in Ottawa too. And, and you're right, that's usually a great place to see a game, a great game day experience with passionate, knowledgeable fans. And, oh man, if they're hanging their heads, I... I feel for them because it's it's not fun losing every game and stuff. No, not at all. Well, also on Friday we have BC at Saskatchewan. Uh, looks like James Butler is going to be back for BC, but wow, Saskatchewan's getting their reinforcements on the defensive line with AC Leonard, Garrett Marino, and Pete Robertson all looking to return for this game. Uh, you'll remember it's a number of weeks ago now, but Saskatchewan was looking pretty dominant when they yeah. had these three guys in the lineup on the defensive line. Can that be enough for Saskatchewan to challenge Nathan Rourke in the BC Lions this week? Could be a closer game than people are thinking. I mean, it's always tough to play in Saskatchewan. Uh, BC has been playing well. Uh, we'll have to see. It wouldn't It wouldn't surprise me if Saskatchewan had an upset here, but I, I really think BC is going to pull this one out. Yeah, sadly, I think I agree with you too i think saskatchewan has shown that that they can beat teams with their defense carrying most of the load but i don't think you can do that against nathan Rourke and that bc lions offense 
So they're going to have to bring all three phases uh, to get to get that win. And yet, hey, a home game in Regina, you never know. Maybe they maybe they show up big and the yeah. crowd gets right behind them. And I don't know. It's that quick release again, though. You know, can can the Saskatchewan Rough Riders pass rush with those big names on the D line? Can that turn the game when Nathan Rourke is so good with his reads and his vision and his elusiveness? I I'm not sure. I think we're going to need more. We're going to need Mario Alford. We're going to need you know Cody on top of his mm-hmm. game and uh, good effort from the receivers. Maybe we see Shaq Evans this week. That could give the Riders a boost. Uh, and yet that's uh, to be determined. Yeah, absolutely. And two games Saturday. So we got Hamilton at Montreal, Calgary at Toronto. Hamilton at Montreal, I'm not sure where I'd put my money on that one, partly because there's some uncertainty whether Dane Evans is going to be back. Um, He missed day one this week, was limited in day two. Tells me he might not go, and yet this game is on Saturday, so there's some time between then. Or do do you give Matt Schiltz the start and reward a huge win? Uh, I don't know. Sure. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. Hamilton's going to lose this one. They're just not a very good team. <laughs> <laughs> it is Montreal a very good team then? <laughs> they did win. They did beat the undefeated. So, no, uh, they're both struggling. I know Hamilton won their last game, and I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for them. It didn't sound like Danny Evans is going to play this week, but. Who knows? I I don't know. Somebody needs to lose. Who who are we rooting as Toronto fans? Who are we rooting for to lose in this game? Oh well, I mean, I think you had the right answer. <laughs> you, you always cheer against Hamilton, right? Right. right. And uh, yeah. Toronto fans don't even cheer strategically. I don't think it's yeah. just anyone but Hamilton, right? But yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, Mon- Montreal, you can't ask for. Uh, a bigger accomplishment than than knocking off the undefeated Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And yet, this is a team that's beat up. Um, Trevor Harris actually missed day one this week as well. I believe Eugene Lewis has been limited all week, not mm-hmm. even certain whether he's going to play. Um, of course, Dominic Davis, who can certainly run for touchdowns, but is the backup. But I think you want Trevor Harris starting this one. Uh, Hamilton, looking at their injury report, they are totally beat yeah. up. Uh, Simone Lawrence, Siante Evans, Jamal Roll, all uh, missing first two days of practice this week. So we'll see what their status is. So uh, I'm not sure how how to pick this one. For me, it's a it's a toss up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it would make sense to pick Montreal for sure because they just had a huge one. definitely. And is it our Jekyll or Hyde Toronto Argonauts as they host? The Calgary Stampeders on Saturday. I don't know what to expect from this game. I wouldn't shock me if we get a Calgary win. It wouldn't shock me if Toronto shows up and gets a win. I just don't know what to expect. Are they going to come out and just pass the ball over the field to set up a little running game? And I just don't know. I don't know if they know. Do you think they know yet? It's Wednesday. They should know what their game plan is going to be. They'll have a game plan, but who knows what the results will be. I I kind of have this I mean, feeling that this will be a blowout, but I don't know who's going to win. It kind of feels like one of those games where Toronto just totally shows up. Everything clicks, you know, everything's working and, and they get a huge win. Um, and yet, you know, we've seen the games where the opposite is true and they just don't seem to show up and nothing works. So I don't, 
I don't know. Uh, having uh, having Breskison back, I think uh, is going to be a boost. He'll no doubt be in the starting lineup. I think Brandon Banks is due to start again in that receiving core. Uh, one of the big questions is the running back position. I'm uh, really excited to see AJ Olette mm-hmm. at running back. I imagine um, who who looked pretty decent. You know, didn't bust it open last week, but I love how he runs hard. He said on Twitter it's probably sacrilege to make any comparison to Andrew Harris but you know what he he runs the ball in a similar fashion and that means that you don't have to adjust your game plan too much maybe he can have a really big game for the Argonauts he's he's maybe the guy going forward so I'm looking forward to to seeing him yep yeah it's 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 hard to say what we're gonna see it should be entertaining to say the least hopefully Yeah, I'm kind of bummed we're not going to get a tailgate because that's such a good time. But CNE games are fun too because they're well attended. Uh, so there might be a, a buzz and atmosphere in the stadium. And if the Argonauts get going right away and hold the fans in the stands rather than those people who show up for a bit and then go see the ex, uh, the exhibition, um, if we can hold those people in the stands, have the Argos you know, put on a great effort with lots of excitement, maybe we can get things rolling. Right, yeah boost crowds and hang on to first place and uh, have some good momentum with two more games against Hamilton and all of it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens. Sure will. Well, let's get to some quick fantasy. We've been on an hour, but we we don't have a start and end time to the show. We just talk. So we'll go to our CFL fantasy teams. Um, This past week, I kind of went the opposite strategy the week before. It's kind of either do you take Nathan Work and a couple big BC receivers and a bunch of dregs, or do you go the other route and take a lower-priced quarterback so you can get some more... Uh, talent at the other skill positions. I I lucked out and ended up with 95.5 points this week, going thrifty with Taylor Cornelius, but those two rushing touchdowns fueled a 27-point effort from him. Along with him, Brady Oliveira, who had 18.8 points in in his game with a touchdown and uh, just over 100 yards all-purpose, not rushing. I picked a Bruce Anderson the third, uh, replacing James Butler in BC. Not a bad outing with thirteen point nine. Mm-hmm. I went in on Brandon Banks, and I guess I lucked out because he was about the same price as Cam Phillips. So I think anyone <laughs> with a reasonable mind would have taken Cam Phillips, and he got hurt in the warm up. I took a chance with Banks because I really believed that Toronto was going to force him the ball. And they did, but it still didn't pan out with just those two catches, six and a half points. I followed your lead. It took Dalton Schoen, and he showed up for a touchdown. Not a huge night, huge night, which is the two catches. But when you score a TD in fantasy, your point totals are going to be all right. Wrapped it up with Likey Whitehead, who had a bit of a quiet night, but still 13.6. And the Bombers defense, which was kind of a letdown with just two points. How'd you do this week? Well, I had my second lowest week with 53 points. So my thought process, Zach Caleros was a decent price, and he was coming off, I believe it was a three-touchdown game at least. Uh, he only got me 15.1. I put in a Hamilton Tiger Cat, which you really don't like to do, but Don Jackson was coming off a game where he had a lot of receptions, a lot of yardage through the air, and I'm th- I'm, I was thinking that they would do the same. They would do the same, but he disappointed. He got a 7.1. I 
only five yards on two receptions to the air, so didn't get those points. Jabal Morrow got just under seven, kind of disappointing. Cameron Phillips, I started, uh, got me a zero since he got injured. I kind of, you know, I... I kind of messed up here is usually I, I had Dalton shown in there and who I've been using almost every week. Didn't put him in this week. I put in Tyson Philpot. Uh, he only had one reception for seven yards, but he had some return yardage, 7.7. And then in my flex, I never use a running back. I never use, I don't even know why I put him in this week. I put Jeshron Antwi, who didn't even start. And I had the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense, and they got me eight points. So it came to 53. So pretty awful. <laughs> pretty awful. This is my second lowest. Had been on a roll. You've been talking me up so much to everybody and uh, i just didn't have it this week <laughs> pressure's on well i'll keep talking you up because you're still ahead of me and wow i mean you're still you're still overall score is still amazing so uh you've done great to date i'm sure you'll bounce back this week tell me about your team this week okay this week i'm taking a different strategy this week i haven't done this at one point anytime this year so i went with Bo Levi Mitchell. He's the lowest price that I can remember. He's he's so low this week. He's under every quarterback that is starting, except maybe Matthew Shields. Every quarterback. He's at a seven thousand forty-seven, which is seems like it's pretty low for him. And in Toronto, with the way their defensive backs are injured and playing not the greatest, uh, I decided to go with him. I put in A.J. Ouellette, 4,000, to see what happens. And here's what I did differently. I skipped a second running back. I don't have a second running back in, and I went with three receivers. I put in Lucky Whitehead, Kenny Lawler, and Jalen Acklin in Montreal's defense. I like the sound of that. You've got some fine receivers there in the order and all guys that could have big games. Because none of those other running backs just excited me. And the thing that I was thinking, okay, if I use a running back, can I put in one of these receivers and they'll make up for what that running back might get? Like six or seven points at the most. So that was my thinking for this week. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm still trying to figure out when you leave slots open on the card last season and actually for years I almost always left out either the defense or the second running back or maybe even both maybe not probably never right did that, but right left one of those open and this year I've been trying to fill my roster I think I'm having a better year this year but man it's hard because when you're choosing some of these guys that might get zero touches in a game or only two or three and mm-hmm. you're hoping that they come off with some points well I got a good you know I got a good one for you um, this week, especially if Reggie Begleton does not start because he had a head injury. I don't know if it was a concussion. It says a head injury, but Sean Bain had a pretty good showing last week, and he's only at twenty five hundred. So Luis I Henry is banged up too. Yes, hey, that's yes. a great call. Yes. So that was somebody that I was looking at, but then the way the running backs were priced, it didn't really benefit. I mean, if he has a good week, but then the running back, and I just went with, I put in Acklin instead. But that that was something I looked at that that could be a possibility because he had a decent week last week. That's a great thought, Bill. That's why you're doing well. You think about those things. 
Yeah, for my team this week, I went back to my strategy from two weeks ago, which is Nathan Rourke and Dominic Rush. that's that's twenty four thousand bucks of your over half of your allotted cash but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go in on those guys and that means that i gotta be thrifty with the rest of it i i have milanovic litre in here right now i'm gonna waffle between him and irons but i think they will platoon them again if i were chris jones i would certainly be rewarding Milanovic Litre for those great carries early in that game and giving him some more. So that's my hope. I've also got AJ Olette. I expect we'll start, but we've got to watch the depth charts super closely this week because there are so many key injuries across the CFL this week. If you look at the injury report, so we'll watch closely. Uh, but I think that could be a good pick at 4,000. Uh, I have taken Jalen Philpot. At 2,500, you know, um, Jalen had a decent game last week, and actually both the Philpott brothers are just getting, you know, another touch or two each week, a couple more reps in the offense each week. And at some point, these guys are going to pay off. I needed somebody at 2,500 bucks. That's my pick. I closed out with Manny Arsenault, uh, which is feels like a bit of a risk, but at 39.87. It's the pick I liked best in that price range. I kind of went back and forth between a few guys. I think I could have had Reggie White Jr. in that slot. But Manny had a pretty decent game last game. Um, Playing Ottawa, maybe Taylor Cornelius and him continue that chemistry. And I took the Montreal Alouettes. Not bad, not bad. We'll see what happens. That's for sure. We'll see if you can get another 90-point outing. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, work and rhymes, that can be lots of points, but hey, maybe they get shut down for the first time. <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch, that's for sure. So one thing that I wanted to mention that I, I um, heard this week and I wanted to get your thought on it is that uh, Devontae Deadman went to try out for an NFL team this year. He was on the, uh, the Miami Dolphins in uh, the preseason here, and he got cut. And do you think that's a player that's going to come back to the CFL and maybe uh, have a team uh, be interested in him? Because he was a heck of a returner up here last year. Oh, yeah. I think just about every team would be interested in him. Yeah. I think from what I understand reading this week that Ottawa still retains his rights. Okay. Because he was extended and went down on the, the NFL window. Um, I'm not positive, so we should check that. But, I mean, any team and certainly the Toronto Argonauts could use somebody like that with a... Haven't haven't found their return game yet. Right. On punt, punt returns or kickoff returns. And so one of my notes in the Toronto game was I am ready for the next Brandon Banks. You know, uh, Devontae Dedman, Chris Williams, right. Stefan Logan, Chad Owens, Dominic Dorsey, Marcus Thigpen. You know, we've had so many of these return specialists um, you know, be found uh, guys that are total return specialists like Banks was before. I wanted to give credit to Tommy Condell, who's taking right. a lot of flack right now. He figured out how to use Brandon Banks in the offense in Hamilton and for a while, you know, turn him into a league leading receiver. Uh-huh. Um, but, but yeah, I want to see the Toronto Argonauts find that next return guy, whether it's Deadman or Jeremiah Hadel or Javon Leak, but uh, that is part of Toronto's game that is holding them back. And yeah, come on, 
let's let's find that return specialist. So we could sell some tickets with some punt and kickoff return touchdowns too, because who doesn't love that? Absolutely. I mean, it was a pretty exciting game going to the game and seeing a blocked punt return for a touchdown, interception return for a touchdown, all those specialty touchdowns. They're so much fun to watch, especially live at the game. So true. It doesn't get much more exciting than than those big plays. So, mm-hmm. yep, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where Devontae Dedman ends up, but uh, I guess there's opportunity for him to maybe get another shot before he comes back. Well, it seems we've run out of time today. So before we go, we just want to extend to our listeners. We want to invite you to play fantasy with us. Uh, join our Pick'em. We didn't mention this week, but we like to play CFL Pick'em as well. And CFL Fantasy Leagues. You can look up the three-minute warning. Uh, and I'll ask you to join CFL Fans Toronto Groups for both of those as well. So we can get in on the banter and the, the bragging rights on, on those weeks. It's fun to discuss fantasy week to week and want to wish you well in the the week ahead thank you for listening to three minute warning hope you enjoy all of the action this week and we hope to have have you listen to us again soon we'll see you later later